you are entering an alternate reality of space and time, artificial intelligence, and the unknown in Future Tech. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Future Tech, I want to discuss what having a moon base would be like. And the reason I want to talk about it is because NASA is planning to launch the Artemis mission to the moon over the next couple of years, including the first woman on the moon and the first person of color on the moon. These are two exciting things. And a lot of people say to me, like, well, why, why a moon base? Aren't we supposed to be going to Mars? And the best analogy I can come up with to say why the moon, then Mars, is the same as learning how to ride a bicycle. Let's say the moon is learning how to ride a bicycle and learning how to drive a car is Mars. So one less difficult, one more difficult. And here's the thing also. The moon is, we could see the moon very easily every day. And in fact, it's only about 238,000 miles away. It sounds like a lot, I know. But in the scope of things, it takes three days, or in the Apollo days, it took three days to get to the moon. Maybe we can get to the moon quicker today. I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon. And to get to Mars takes like seven months. So it's a very long journey to Mars, very short journey to moon. So let's say that we have a problem on the moon. We can dispatch a ship to the moon within three days. Whereas if you're having a problem on Mars, you're kind of SOL. Uh, you got to wait seven months for uh, you know a ship to, to arrive with supplies or whatever it is, you know, a rescue mission, whatever it is. The moon is right there. We can just pop up there. It's like taking a trip to the other side of the world. Some, some trips from America to like, you know, India or whatever takes 24 hours. I mean, think about it, just two more days. It's not that big of a deal, right? They used to do that on on ships before we had airplanes. It would take multiple day journeys and week long journeys on ships. You know, in the in the old days, the, the ships would be month long journeys. So three days to the moon, no big deal, which also gives us really quick communication times. So when we establish a moon base, and we have scientists working on the moon, and now it's not a space station, right? That's going around the Earth over and over again. We're established on the moon, so it's a more solidified presence. It's it's a more static presence. It's not moving, and so the communication times are going to be like 1.2 seconds to the Earth. So it's almost near instant communication back and forth, which is pretty incredible considering on Mars. Once again, we're talking like a lag of like five to ten minutes. Per message. So if you send a message, they're not going to get it for 10 minutes. When they respond, something new might have happened. So it's a lot of, going to, it's going to be a lot of back and forth and potentially obsolete information and data. So NASA is planning to launch a, a space station called the Gateway, um, in the orbit of the moon. And this will be, uh, literally a gateway, a place to uh, not only orbit around the moon to shuttle supplies to and from Earth, We'll be able to get food and fuel and, and, you know, all sorts of supplies to the moon much easier through Gateway. But it's not just going to be an orbiting station for the moon. It's going to be an orbiting, let's say, a launch pad or like almost like an airport or a spaceport to launch other missions to outer space. Here's the thing. When we launch rockets and shuttles and, and ships from Earth to space, as we all know, it's very expensive very difficult and dangerous, and we have to escape the atmosphere. So the thrust and the fuel and, and the burning and all the stuff we need to get out of the atmosphere is very difficult. 
if we have a spaceport revolving around the moon, which has one sixth of the Earth's gravity, first of all, it's going to be a cinch to launch in outer space because there's really no gravity holding us back. Sure, there's going to be some, but it's just not, it's not going to be close to enough. Plus, on the moon, there's so much regolith and potentially water in the ice caps they found to create fuel for the missions. We won't need Earth. We won't need the resources that we're wasting here on Earth. The goal is to be able to have deep space missions in outer space, in interstellar space, as using moon, using the moon as a launch pad, as a, a point of execution for our, our missions. That's going to be huge, and it's going to dramatically drop the price down, potentially the dangers, and also the speed of these missions. Because sometimes we wait, you know, we waited 20 years for the James Webb Space Telescope. I mean, maybe we can get it done in five years next time from the moon, or even one year, who knows? So I'm excited to find out what kind of missions take place once we're on the moon. And this, and folks, this is going to be happening within the next couple of years. So, so pay attention to the Artemis missions. So now for the fun stuff. What kind of things, what kind of benefits do we get from having a moon base? I mean, we get it. We can do deep space exploration. We'll have an established base on the moon. Obviously, we're going to be doing experiments, scientific experiments, possibly growing plants on the moon. Who knows? And that's one of the first things we're going to figure out is what can we do with the composition of the moon? We know there's regolith, which is like a very fine dust all over the moon. And there are these rocks all over the moon that contain minerals and, and chemicals that we can use to create new technologies. And we're going to figure that out as we're more established. Because when we're on there daily, constantly working on the moon, it's going to be a lot better than the Apollo days where we only had a couple of days to, to, to bring back some stuff and figure it out. And it's been a long time. I mean, the 70s were the last time we were on the moon. So we're talking 50 years. We got to get back up there and figure out what is on the moon in general. Traveling through space on your way to Mars, on your seven-month journey, you'll need to exercise at least two hours a day to stay in shape. Everything you drink or eat on the spaceship will need to give you energy so that you can maintain your routine and make sure everything stays in tip-top shape. So I hope you don't forget to stock up on the world's first productivity shot, Magic Mind. Each little bottle has a magical combination of 12 active ingredients designed to stimulate focus, creativity, energy, and motivation while decreasing stress, oxidation, and post-exercise inflammation in the body. So now your best friend is asked by the commander to do a spacewalk to fix one of the solar panel arrays that got loose when it was hit by a micrometeor. He needs to stay focused during this mission. So you tell him it's time to drink Magic Mind so that he can get in the zone. Plus, he can stay calm while he's out in space because Magic Mind has ashkawanda and rhodiola rosea, which decreases stress and low-grade anxiety. So pick some up at magicmind.co slash boots. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot C-O slash B-O-O-T-S. And use my code, boots, to get 20% off your order or 40% off your subscription within the next 10 days. Not only that, but let's, let's put it this way. The Earth is very noisy. <laughs> there are so many satellites and signals and noise and sounds and lights coming from the Earth. So if we can set up uh, planetary and space-observing instruments and devices on the dark side of the moon, we will be able to, you know, space will become untapped. 
we will be able to see and hear so clearly all of the things that we still don't know a lot about, such as black holes. We will be able to detect black holes using instruments that were that are hard for us to use on Earth. Plus, on the Earth, we have to get through the atmosphere, right? We have to get through clouds and debris and satellites. So our telescopes can see really well, as we know. We've been seeing images for, for decades now. But imagine if we're on the moon with an unobstructed view of what's out in space. We will be able to uncover so much more. Now, this helps us in a lot of different ways. Um, first of all, having a bird's eye view of the Earth from the moon means we can detect its magnetism. We can detect near-Earth objects. We can check the weather, whether it's space weather, moon weather, Earth weather. We'll be able to learn a lot more about a lot of things just by being on the moon full-time. And this is only going to help humanity in the long term. So we, we, you know, I'm no expert, so I don't know the exact types of things we'll be able to learn by doing this, but I know that it's going to help us learn more about the Earth, the Sun, the Moon, and other planets as well, because we're going to have a different type of unobstructed view and be able to use instruments in a whole new way. Something else that really interests me is the fact that we are constantly burning fossil fuels and using these carbon-emitting you know, resources and processes to create things for Earth. If we could potentially move some of these facilities to the moon, we would be offsetting all of the, the, the climate change, global emissions that we're causing on Earth by moving them to the moon. Plus, there are so many precious resources on the moon that we'll be able to tap into, like I mentioned before, like silicone and rare Earth elements that we are having trouble in the supply chain today getting, like titanium and aluminum and precious metals. And there's helium-3. There's this really cool show I love uh, called For All Mankind, and it's the space race that would have happened if America and, and, and Russia never really stopped the space race. And they're always talking about helium-3 and how it's going to be a fuel source for the future and how it's so abundant on the moon. So we're going to be mining this helium-3 in order to propel our future missions without tapping into the resources of Earth. It's a no-brainer. And as was recently discovered in the past 5-10 years, the polar ice caps, the polar regions of the moon, there's definitely ice and water there. They've seen it on, I guess, instrumentation they've used to, 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 to deduce this. If we can be near those poles, we will have more access to water, which is obviously extremely needed. And also, one of the most notable things is the sunlight that the moon gets. So we can use solar energy way more than we can use it on Earth because uh, the the sunlight, the days, the days that have sun are much longer than they are on Earth. So there might be like, I don't know how many days, maybe a week's worth of sun all in one shot without it ever getting dim. So all that solar energy, we can tap into it on the moon to power everything. That's going to be huge. And then, of course, there's the issue that people mention is, well, how are we going to live on the moon? Obviously, we're going to be living inside bases. Now, breathable air, that's not going to be too much of a problem because the moon's, the moon's dust contains oxygen. So we'll be able to extract air from the moon's dust. They've got to figure out, obviously, how to do it. But once they figure it out, that's going to be easy to get oxygen from the moon dust. And also, of course, food. Now, if we have water from the moon, that's good. If we have oxygen from the moon, that's good. We won't have food on the moon. We'll have to grow it on the moon, of course. That might, that's going to take decades. But that's where Gateway comes in. 
if it's a three day trip and, and I'm sure Elon Musk, SpaceX and whoever else out there can figure out a much quicker uh, way to get to the moon and back, we can get we can have shuttles, basically have shuttles going back and forth, sending food to the moon and sending back resources to the Earth. So it's kind of like a trade off. Like we, we give you guys food and resources and, and materials and you guys send us helium three and titanium and aluminum and moon dust and other things like that. So it sounds like a good trade off to me. Either way, I'm excited for the moon base. I'm excited for the Artemis mission. I've been following it closely. NASA is incredible with all the great technological advances they're making. Check them out on Twitter and on YouTube and all their launches and things like that. I'm always checking them out. What are you excited about when it comes to a moon base? Do you think we're going to have it in the next couple of years like they say we will? What do you think living on a moon base will be like? What do, what do you think working on a moon base will be like? I'd like to hear your thoughts in my comments. So leave them in there and I'll get back to you. And as always, I'll see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.